Fiddle dee potatoes. Oh my god, I have to edit that out. Ghostly stories, tales of revenge, sister power. Who's ready for some high quality nonsense? Ten p.m. And uh, we're doing it. And here we are. Jammed my feet. I'd say we're live, but we're not. And might I say how lovely we look tonight? Oh, yes. My hair is disheveled, and uh, I'm wearing Adam's big plush blue robe. I'm wearing nothing at all. I had a. Just kidding. A s- two small glasses of wine. Two small glasses? Yeah. Mm hmm. Like pinch filled, like this. Yeah, ding, ding. Okay. It's a pint glass. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just caught your neck cracking. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's more gross, Faith drinking her soda or me cracking my neck? Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome to High Quality Nonsense. Welcome. Our sister-powered podcast about revenge and creepy shit, where we both sound the same, and nobody knows who's supposed to go first. Mm-hmm. I'm Faith. I'm Casey. And we're really happy you're here. <laughs> so happy. Oh, God. I said that last time. At least somebody's here. I'm very happy. Uh, you can find us across all social media platforms under at HQN Podcast. It's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, at HQN podcast at HQN podcast. (laughs) Check us out. Our email is HQN podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you want to hear about. Send in your own creepy tales. Good shit. Good shit. Send us your good shit. Good shit. Good shit. Okay. My mic is everywhere. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I had my first day of work. Yay. And, uh, yeah, it went well. They gave us a, a swag bag and a free thermos that said, um, you know, I don't think I should just advertise where I work. It so. said the name of her work on it. Yes. And then I used that travel thermos to knock over my Diet Dr. Pepper and right before we started recording. Spill it on my table. And erase, it still has a burn mark from when she dropped her coal from when we were burning frankincense. Yeah. Faith is just here to fuck shit up. There's also a popcorn mess around my chair right now, too. Yeah, fucking Faith, get it together. I'm here. (laughs) It's like, oh, was a three-year-old here? Nope, it was my fucking sister. My 30-year-old sister. (laughs) All right. All right. Mm. Well. How was your day? It was pretty good. I actually did a lot today. (gasps) You did? Yes. I'm genuinely shocked I, thanks dick <laughs> um what did i do i cleaned my kitchen spotless Ooh. swept vacuumed i did like five loads of laundry and david called me at like twelve thirty. he was like hey what are you doing i'm gonna go on lunch do you want to come meet me and i was like and I, like i was in the middle of like laying down aimlessly and so like i sounded really guilty and i was like uh yeah yeah i'll yeah, and he was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you up to?" He was what like, "What the what fuck are you, are you doing? You that's doing? making you and sound weird." I was like, weird. "I'm just puttering around the house." And he was like, "You're what?" And I was like, "Um, I, I was just..." And he like, he was like, "You know what? It's fine. You don't have to come out." And I was just like, "No, no, 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 no! I'll come meet you." And he was like, "He's like, no, it's fine. You just stay put." 
And I was like, <gasps> no. I know. I was like, I'm not doing anything weird. Like, <laughs> So then I immediately like shot out of the house and like headed towards his work. And he works on Airport Way. So there's like 50 places you could go for lunch there. And so I checked like Buffalo Wild Wings and then I checked the Starbucks and then I was like, oh my God, he only has like 15 minutes of his lunch left. Like I'm never going to find him. And then I saw him like crossing the street and I pulled over and rolled down my window and I was like, get in. (laughs) And he was like, whoa. And he like got in my back seat and I was like, I had to come here to prove that I wasn't cheating. I like how he got in the backseat because he probably assumed that I was with you. Well, no, he <laughs> just got in the backseat because it was like the uh, the closest uh, st- side to the curb. Oh. It's like one-way streets oh. and then a, a median. So I was like, you get just in! Le- you could have just let me have that. Well. But it's fine. Um, you go ahead and over-explain. In the interest of truth, I had to correct you. I feel like lately I'm... Truth. being awakened to not just lately to the fact that like people lately are like, I've been <laughs> awakened and just woke <laughs> i'm hella woke to the fact that i'm a fucking know-it-all bitch <laughs> i just i don't know mm. I, for some reason i i, I just, didn't like, know that about you oh shut up <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know i just like when somebody isn't like quite right about something i always like i have to be like well actually and I'm like, oh shit! I'm just mansplaining everyone. Yeah, fuck. I don't. know. I know. I I I would actually say that I feel that too. I don't know what but to sometimes say. Sometimes like, you just gotta let them have it. I know. I know. And like some days I'm better than others, but like, you no know, people with your boyfriends was... or your girlfriends, even though you know that they're wrong or the way that they do dishes wrong, just let them have it because you know go what? for it. Just yeah, let's let them go for it. Yeah, I was like, I I need to like reel it in. Like, some days I'm better than others, but today I just, like, corrected everything, and I was like, I can't stop myself. Well, I'll let y'all know how Faith's new uh, awakening goes, and see if she really does reel it in. Um, I guess we'll see. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. (laughs) So, you went, you went last time. Oh. Well, we gotta do nonsense. Oh. See, you never remember that part. I don't. I feel like you don't like it very much. It's Faith's responsibility. It is my responsibility. I just picked the one off the top. I didn't even, like, fuck around in the bowl. What is it? What is the best dish that you make? Oh, well, there's just so many. I mean, there's Funfetti cake, but that's not a dish. Casey's <laughs> fucking specialty is Funfetti cake. And I don't with know what cherry she frosting. fucking does with it. <laughs> but, like, her, the Funfetti cake she makes with cherry frosting mm, is literally, so like... moist. It's our father's favorite cake. <laughs> and he is, like, a no-nonsense fucking like 65 year old carpenter by the way he's his, just a man man he's a he's just yeah he's he looks a, like tom Selleck and mel gibson and kevin Costner mixed together and looks like he should be a policeman or a fireman he's but like he's six just one and made of cement yep yeah it's gonna turn into like that george washington song but he likes fun like he killed 10 men with a punch <laughs> One punch! Our father is a legend. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves his funfetti cake. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. Lately, I've been making this pasta with a, with a bit of spinach and some roasted red pepper and bell peppers and like a little bit of paprika. and Put some andouille sausage in there. Oh, andouille sausage, man. But you have to cook the andouille sausage first. It's and then let it sear on one oh, side. 
Yeah, I awakening just... faith, <laughs> awakening. <laughs> Let me have it. Anyways, you gotta get those seared on one side so that some of those juices get into the olive oil, and then you boil the noodles, and then you toss them in there along with all the other shit and onions and all that, and then you just mix it up, man. It sounds Put, throw incredible. Throw some Parmesan cheese on there. You don't even need sauce. It seriously sounds so good. Mamma mia, mamma mia, Galbani. Oh, shut up, Galbani. This episode is brought to you by Galbani. God, those commercials. The little Italian kid is so eloquent. He's like, Galbani. And the little American kid, um, Galbani. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Uh, what's your f- favorite dish? Fucking ribs, dude. Ribs. My ribs are amazing. Ribs I know they're not slap. like. I feel like they're not. Shout quite. out to Ricky Thornley. He makes really good fucking ribs. We're too. talking about my ribs right now. Sorry. Okay. I do love my ribs though, but I make my ribs in the oven and I know that's kind of like a controversial thing, but like, I feel like my ribs, it's the rub. It's you the like fall apart rub. ribs, don't you? Um, I like fall apart ribs with a bark on the outside. Like I, I like fall apart ribs, spare ribs, pork spare ribs. Cause they're meaty as fuck. Yeah. Sorry to all the vegetarians out there. Yeah. Sorry about it. Yeah. She's not sorry. I'm I'm not really. Did you just notice the light change? That was probably because I had to awaken my computer. Oh. It's not gonna correct me anymore. I can relate. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. So <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, um, my <laughs> ribs are amazing. But I also make a really good like baked rotini. I layer it with like ricotta and sour cream and just a fuckload of cheese and red sauce. And like that doesn't sound too bad. Like two pounds of Italian sausage in there. Fucking bomb as fuck. David makes the most incredible meatballs. He makes some pretty slapping meatballies. Fucking slapping. My gosh. Adam makes a good salad. Adam makes pretty good. uh, Oh, he's been making bomb barbecue chicken. Mmm. Barbecue chicken is so good. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a time that I like burnt out on it because mom was making it all the fucking time when we were kids. Uh, she would just pop a chicken in the oven with some salt and pepper. No, I'm talking about like barbecue chicken. Like for a while. So my mom does this thing when the weather heats up. She makes my dad go grill everything. She's like, get the grill started, Randy. Immediate. Like as soon as like a little bit of sunshine pokes out and she has dad like grilling time grill everything and it's so funny because i think like dad likes grilling but like not when my mom makes him do it he's like i hate grilling things and i'm like dad but you're so good at it i feel like it needs to be a low and slow type of setting yeah no he gets like like, gas but he does it charcoal there's no such (sighs) thing as low and slow with charcoal it's so fucking good no you can low and slow charcoal you just gotta like do indirect heat pile all the coals on yeah, one side but you and put can't your... just leave it alone for a couple hours oh uh, you gotta check on it every like yeah exactly know. okay let's move on well i mean like yeah that's more like smoking i don't know okay so first of all who's going first i will okay um it's still fresh in my mind i literally you... just got off work and <laughs> did my research and typed it all out it's still fresh it's still, it's still fresh in my mind uh, all right. Before we do this, uh, Whose obviously, just that? wanted to let you guys know. I don't know the prospector. Mm. Mm. Um, so, Fridge. as you know, we love doing our podcast, 
and we're really excited. Is this episode eight? We're excited to be on episode eight. Woo! Hooray. Also, our first episode is like creeping up there and it might get a hundred listens. Holy shit! Unless everybody just stops listening to us, which then I'd make me really sad. Oh, God. I, I don't know if I want that to happen. I don't know if I mentioned, but like Anchor says that our estimated audience is like 45 to 50 people. And I just want to say that I want to kiss all of you. That's that's for each one of you. So a lot of kisses. Uh, we chose to host our feed with Anchor.fm, which is actually an, a, an amazing free platform. Uh, matches you up with sponsors, uh, like I just said, provides you with some statistics as to uh, you know, who your listeners are, where they're coming from. <gasps> I know. I it's just like it it sent me an email and let me know about their new little analytics thing. Mm. And we have listeners in Germany, <gasps> Denmark, and Shut Ireland. Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy shit, that's so cool. How do you say hello uh in German? In German, I'll, all I know is Guten Tag. What's Guten Tag? Good day. Oh, well, Guten Tag to y'all. <laughs> guten Tag to all y'all. <laughs> oh my God, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> and Ireland. Okay, so Anchor, uh, awesome free platform. Matches you up with sponsors, tells you where your listeners are from, tells you how many listeners you t- have, how many people you can expect to be listening. The other thing, too, is that it allows you to donate through Stripe. Uh, if you go to anchor f- anchor.fm forward slash HQN podcast, you can find the listener support button and you can submit donations that go towards improving the broadcast as well as get us started on the road to producing actual merch and perk for you guys. Merch and perk. Merch and perk. Merch and perks. On my way here, I was totally thinking about those patches that we were like, we keep talking about Patreon too. And honestly, I haven't even like made a Look, you know what? I haven't I even made to get my first it. paycheck. I haven't even I need to get touched pay- it. I need to get my paycheck. We'll mm-hmm. get some supplies. We'll make some stuff. We'll create the Patreon. Because you know what? I would feel terrible if you guys or if anybody donated any money to us and we had nothing to give in return. That's just one Except big old for our, like fond thoughts, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, we're just like thank you, thanks. That's it. I mean, thank you for listening. Obviously, like if I could give everybody like. A fucking car. I wish I was Oprah right now. Well, I mean, honestly, that I like I good away old thank you from anybody. Like but if if I'm donating money in a promise that I'm going to receive something, I would like something more than a thank you, right? I'll right. admit it. <laughs> I'll come out and say it. <laughs> I'll say it. So anyway, you can uh, you can go to uh, Anchor.fm uh, forward slash HQN podcast. There's a listener support button with a little money sign next to it. All supporters obviously get a special mention and message from us on the show. Personal thank you note from Casey and me. Whatever we send you is going to come with some fortunes. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe some fortune cookies. We should. We could That'd probably send like actual fortune cookies so that you guys aren't just getting like, you know. We still don't know how many people eat the cookie or not. Honestly. Nobody has like given us feedback on that. But then, I don't know. I'm going to have to check the spam filters. But that seems a little desperate. I'm just like, did anyone email us? Check the spam filter. Check the spam. Good day. What? That's good day in Danish. Good day. Good day. So, go day to y'all. Good day. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I can't believe we have a listener in Ireland and Germany and Denmark. That's so cool. 
I think it's really cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Still alive. Oh my god. Okay, ready, sissy? I'm fucking ready. <sighs> I'm I'm pretty ready. All right. Here Woo. we go. Here, here we go. go. All right. Here All right. we go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Okay. Gonna zoom in. <laughs> By that she means she's gonna scoot scoot up to the table. They know what it means now. We told them before. Alright. Yeah. And this is where you cue in some creepy music. <gasps> Not so much. We start the story off around the 1850s in Boston, Massachusetts. 1850s. Okay. Where we find a family of Irish immigrants. The Kelly family had a rough start. Needless to say, uh, it kind of ended rough for everyone in the end as well. So rough start and rough end. That's how things happened in the 1850s, don't you know? Irish immigrants did not have it very easy. No, they did not. It was a fucking it was bad yeah it was bad to say the least uh bridget kelly was said to have four daughters nelly kelly shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah nelly kelly birthday unknown i tried researching it couldn't find anything i 100 percent call shenanigans <laughs> i know right i'm like nelly kelly why not that's like bill and shirley turley i know <laughs> what if it was bill and shirley turley and then nelly kelly their cousin <laughs> Nellie Kelly Turley? <laughs> I don't know. She married in. <laughs> and then, so they had Nellie Kelly, Delia Josephine Kelly, born 1852, and Honora Kelly, born 1854. Soon after her fourth daughter's birth, her and the child died from consumption. Fuck. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Which is an absolutely terrible disease that still exists today. Yeah. Um, vaccinate, please. Please do. Except uh, now modern age modern age that's a new one oh. age and day modern age modern doge there you go <laughs> <laughs> except in modern days right now tuberculosis like the strains that do come out have becoming increasingly hard to cure because it uh it's mutating yeah fun, fun, fun. just mother nature trying to rid itself of the disease of humanity but anyway let's keep going damn faith uh, okay, so, which left their father, Peter, in wretches. Oh, no, Peter. Yeah. Peter Kelly then became depressed, angry, and abusive, and then it was known around town that he was the crazy drunk, right. and then got the nickname Kelly the Crack. Oh, fuck. As in, like, crackpot. Right. In 1863, only a few years after his wife and child's death, Peter Kelly took his two daughters and dumped them off at the Boston Female Asylum, which we all know. Oh, that always goes well. Yeah, it doesn't go very well. But it also operated as an orphanage for indigent indigent, uh, indigent female children. Hopefully that was an okay correction. It was. Thanks. I knew it was going to happen because I was like, indigent. Mm, Indigenous. (laughs) Anyways, for female children, (laughs) this is where they would be taught how to clean and be perfect little servants where they would be assigned families to work off contracts. What? As in like, this is an orphanage. What we're going to do is teach you how to clean. You're going to be placed with families. You're going to have a roof over your head fed, but you need to clean until you're of age to move on or until your contract is done. These richer families would purchase these children to clean for them 
And in return, they would feed the children and house them. Okay. I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but it is mid 1800s. It's forced Boston. chores. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so Kelly gave up the two daughters and was never to be seen from again, although rumors around town spread that Peter Kelly soon, you know, lost his fucking marbles and sewed his eyes shut while working as a tailor. Whoa. Yep. Sewed his eyes shut. Yeah. Like he went fucking nuts being drunk and bipolar and all sorts of things going on with him and he sewed his eyes shut and then I think went to a sane asylum himself. I mean, how do you even like, um, at a certain point, how are you going to get the other eye? You know what I'm saying? I know there's probably more questions than that but that's I my know. one you know what it when it comes down to it we found out that men that are going through a psychotic break cut off their own dick so he, anything's possible you know yeah i mean yeah and there are not many records showing us like the girl's experience at the asylum because he sent uh honora and delia josephine to the insane asylum and I guess it was later, like, before he sent the two daughters, Nellie was sent there, and she was the oldest. So there's, Nellie went first? Yeah, there's not a lot of record as to see, like, as to why. I guess they did say that, like, Nellie was truly insane. Mm. So she actually went to the insane portion of the asylum instead of the orphanage portion. Oh. Delia, the oldest out of the two, was more rebellious and I would be, too, um, to the idea that she would be in servitude for most of her life. And then rumored that, you know, she left the orphanage and became a sex worker. However, Honora Kelly was placed in the Topin home in 1864 and was given a new name, Jane. Oh. So although she was not adopted, she did take the Topin's last name. Okay. The Topin family was a very well off. So um, her, original name, her original name was Honora? Yes. Okay. Nora Kelly is and now, now it's Jane Tobin. Jane Tobin. Okay, there you go. The Tobin family was very well off and had one daughter, a similar age, named Elizabeth. Elizabeth was to inherit everything and obviously tre- was treated differently. Um, it was kind of some evil stepsister bullshit. Uh, Jane was excluded a lot of the time and was just there to clean and do as she was told to. And keep in mind, like Jane is a little girl. Right. Like, when she was six, she got sent to this place, and then Delia was eight. Like, they were little girls that got sent to this place. What the fuck? Exactly. Yeah, not a great start for Jane. Not a great start at all. My God. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Uh, Years go down the road, and Jane was about to work off her contract. Uh Uh-huh. And then Mrs. Topin, Ann C. Topin, died. And then Elizabeth took over the contract and was like, um, no, you're going to work for me a little bit longer. (gasps) Yeah. Not so. She just like changed the contract. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was in Elizabeth was in charge. So this horrible evil stepsister. What the fuck? (laughs) So Elizabeth kept her a little bit longer, but years go down the road and. A lot of years going down the road. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay anyways she stayed longer and ap- <laughs> anyways <she's> okay stayed- <laughs> stop <laughs> after Jane's servitude she began studying to become a nurse at Cambridge Hospital in 1885 where it was said she realized her passion obsession with death so what happened to Elizabeth Topin you'll find out oh god so I'm ready Mm-hmm. 
So she found her obsession with, pa- like, her passion and obsession with death okay. at this hospital. While she was there, she was well-liked and loved by her fellow students and colleagues and was named Jolly Jane because <gasps> she was constantly smiling and lighthearted Aww. and everybody loved her. And the people that liked her even more was her patients. So imagine the nicest, most kind, like, kindest caretaker that you could ever ask for while being sick. And that was Jane. Aww. Always greeting you with a kind heart and a smile on her face. Unfortunately, it was not the care that Jane had in mind for her patients. Hmm. In late nights at the hospital, she would mix concoctions of opiates such as morphine and atrophine and poisons such as striking? Strychnine? Strychnine. Yeah, there you go. Strychnine? Oh, shit. Not even I know. Uh-oh. She was later fired from Cambridge Hospital, but got enough recommendations because eventually they're like, because um. what she would do is mix these concoctions. And then test them out on patients to see what the fuck it was doing to their nervous system. So she was, um, I think she knew what it was fucking doing. Yeah, (laughs) right. So she was later fired because obviously patients were dying under her watch from Cambridge Hospital, but got enough wonderful recommendations to get into the prestigious Massachusetts General Hospital in 1889, where she began working, Um, or I mean killing. Where she began killing people. Yeah. However, unlike Cambridge Hospital, it didn't take them years to figure out the common denominator between the dying patients and Jane. They were like, um, so a lot of people are dying under her watch. Okay, hold on. It's funny because I'm looking up the pronunciation of strychnine and I'm getting it from the Cambridge Dictionary. Like Cambridge Hawks. Strychnine. Strychnine. Oh, fuck. Strychnine and strychnine. (laughs) Uh, Strychnine if you're British. Yeah, heard it, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Da, da, da. Yeah, she would make her rounds at the hospital. So and this is how she would do it. She would make her rounds at the hospital, pick out her favorite patients, become close to them, then mix later dosages of the opiates to see what it would do to their nervous system. She would essentially use these poor sick patients as guinea pigs for her sick obsession. And it was said that she would dose her victims and while watching them slowly die from the morphine, she would climb into bed and caress them in provocative ways while watching the life drain from their eyes. Dude. Actually, it wasn't like they said, she said. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm like, well, when did they say that? What the fuck, dude? I mean, like, that's... So, unlike the Cambridge Hospital, it didn't take the Massachusetts General Hospital very long to figure out the common denominator between the dying patients and Jane. It was said that the only thing that they noticed is a high number of deaths under her care. So honestly, they just thought that she was a fucking stupid nurse and not a murdering psychopath. So they just assumed that she just didn't fucking know what she was doing. Exactly. Um, so with the following year and getting fired again, uh, she got so many sparkling recommendation letters and then she was, she was then, get this, accepted back to Cambridge Hospital. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they hired her back purely on based on all of the letters of recommendation and not her history. They didn't even care to like look at her history or like realize who she was. Holy shit. If medical malpractice was a thing back then. Seriously. Yeah, Cambridge I mean, like, Hospital seriously. and Massachusetts General Hospital wouldn't be a thing. Like if yeah, no, that they would have uh, I mean like Faith's angry. <laughs> <laughs> this is so easily preventable. 
so easily. But you have to Holy keep in mind shit. that this is in the 1850s. Wait. No, oh, about 1880s. Like 1880s. Yeah. It was about in the 1880s. Like, these drugs weren't under lock and key. It yeah. wasn't really, like, a worry that people were going to steal it. People were still overdose. taking cocaine for head colds. Yeah, exactly. So, what a time so there was to be no alive. Worry. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> so, she was accepted back to Cambridge Hospital, but they learned their lesson, and she was, again, fired for reckless use of opiates. Dumb bitches. So, they found out that she was using the opiates? Yeah, like, but they, they knew she also, was like fucking with the opiate. They also thought that she was just being reckless and a stupid nurse. They I, didn't make the connection. But then again, there wasn't really a bunch of like female I, serial killers out and about. So they weren't thinking the worst. Of I the mean, situation. that's true. It's yeah. Back then, it was like considered bold to be a serial killer. Like it wasn't. Oh, how bold of how you! Bold. <laughs> it was a it was a man's business. Oh, how bold of you, Jane? Just killing as a female. Oh my. In <laughs> the nerve. In eighteen ninety five, she began her work as a private nurse taking care of many clients, patients, victims, whatever you want to call them. I was gonna them. say you mean fucking murder <laughs> victims? Yes. Uh one of which was her landlord, Israel Dunham, and his wife. Which in this case, it was one where rent was due, and the Dunhams dropped in for a visit to see, you know, when they would be getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when Jane would offer them some refreshing mineral water tonic that she's picked up. I I couldn't even remember where. So I typed in just like that she picked up from otherworldly places. Like she'd just order it and be like, oh, this is this mineral, is mineral healing tonic mineral water tonic from India. Yeah, shit like that. She would just from fucking Burma. drop a name in there and be like, oh, she always has this tonic. So she would offer it to from them the with Dominican like, you know, Republic. lemon and some ice and, and some from, fucking strychnine. <laughs> yeah. And then some uh, fucking poison uh, from that. You know, they she offered him some refreshing mineral water tonic from the hot day. And after giving some to Mr. Dunham, he fell ill later that day. And who did Miss Dunham call? Only the nicest nurse they knew, Jane. Jane put on a show for her. Literally, oh. like, taking care of him, like, you know, the whole nine yards, like, smiling, like, it's going to be okay, and all of this stuff, like, full-on show. Mm-hmm. And then later that night, watched Mr. Dunham die. Mm. And then only later in a couple days to take care of Mrs. Dunham while she was grieving and slowly poisoned her until she passed away as well. This bitch. Yeah, we felt sorry for her for she's a second. Me. Now it's just like, damn. She's got me hella twisted. I <sighs> keep in mind she's like getting sick pleasure off of watching these people die. That is, and the fact that she's like poisoning them slowly. And the other thing too is that it's like with opiates, so it's literally she's like numbing them to death. Right. Well, to the what point happens where, like, with morphine is that it slows the breathing slow all the way so, down. Yeah, like it slows your respiratory system so far down that. You pass out because you you're don't not getting get enough, enough oxygen, air. and then and then you, you die, and then brain death. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine that she could just stay there at the place that she was staying now that her landlords have passed away. Mm, yeah. Um, and it was later said that she went back to now her stepsister's home, where she took care of the home and was a personal nurse. To are her we talking as well. about Elizabeth Topin? Yes, we are. <gasps> dun dun. <laughs> As you could imagine, Jane would find this a glowing opportunity. I mean, I would too. 
Yeah, I, she did later on admit that Elizabeth was the only person that she killed that she truly hated. Wow. That she hated with a burning passion. In 1899, in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Elizabeth Brigham, which is Tobin. Oh, oh her is, new married name. Yeah, Elizabeth married a rich vicar. A vicar? Mm-hmm. Stable the vicar. We don't have vicars anymore. What no. happened to those? I don't know. Um, and so Elizabeth Brigham, 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 Brigham mysteriously fell ill. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! And Jane, of course, was very eager to take care of her stepsister. Jane oh. had been poisoning Elizabeth for days just to watch her slowly die. Oh, she did admit that she took an exceptional amount of time with Elizabeth. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so she took her time watching Elizabeth slowly wither away until she was bedridden. This is when she gave Elizabeth a fatal dose of strychnine. <gasps> A.K.A. rat poison. While yep. Elizabeth was taking her final breaths, Jane climbed into bed to watch final moments. Mm. 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 Within the year after her sister's death, she was contracted to take care of the Davis family. As a nurse and a maid, in 1901, Miss Maddie Davis had fallen ill and passed away. We probably all know why. We, yeah. The Davis family pleaded with Jane to stay and take care of Mr. Alden Davis after his wife's passing. Of course, Jane was more than happy to help. It was said that Jane was in debt with the Davis family in the equivalent to modern day money, about $15,000 in late rent. Wow. Yeah. So, of course, Jane thought she could work it off or just, you know, kill it off. <laughs> just kill everybody off. Just kill it away. I'm wondering, like, what the doctors thought these illnesses were. Like, she would make shit up on their charts. She would be really conniving. She would make shit up on the people's charts, like, oh, irregular heartbeats or this and that. Or, like, oh, to died make it, of a heart attack. To make it look like something Because she else. was always there during, like, mm. she was present during their death. So, she right. would call it. So she was the one that called it and oh. and put down, you know, reason of death. Doesn't anybody check references anymore? Like if if I was shopping for a nurse, right? And I'm like, this one looks good. She's from Cambridge. Oh, but she got fired from Cambridge and she went to Boston. Oh, but she got fired from Boston back to Cam. Oh, she got fired from Cambridge again. Oh, she's killed. That person died. Oh, that person died. Like. Right. Well, I think does, I think around the time, like personal nurses were kind of starting to become a new thing, right? And she was capitalizing on that because people are like, "Oh shit, I could just hire my own nurse." Oh hell yeah, right? So people didn't know how to just you know call up a hospital and be like, "Hey, how's this gal?" Right? They Who's couldn't. This girl? They couldn't call anyone. <laughs> no. So back to the Davises, right? So uh, what's her name dies probably yes. not from a trip and fall. Yeah, Maddie, Maddie Davis. Mrs. Davis stayed with the family to care for Mr. Davis. They saw her as a godsend, um, tending to Mr. Davis, giving him kind words, being a shoulder for him to cry on, and nurturing the family's emotional needs. However, Mr. Davis fell, you know, ill and the same fate as Mrs. Davis. They literally chalked it up to Mr. Davis dying of a broken heart. When are people going to realize that that's not a thing? You know, people um, people weren't exceptionally smart. I know the that. 1850s. 
or 1880s or early 1900s. Okay. So he dies of a broken heart, which is actually fucking morphine. You know, it's really funny. You went, mm, mm, okay, which Mm. I literally put that in my notes. Mm, Dot, dot, dot. mm, Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) The Davis sisters were completely distraught. Um, duh. And this is also happening within weeks of each other. Wow. Like one week, their mother dies. Next week, their dad dies. Now the daughters are completely like falling apart. Um, but Jane knew that she would have to do something more at this point to get rid of her debt. Ooh. Um, she had gotten a taste of death twice within weeks of each other. Jane was manipulative and cunning, like I said before. Like a true psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she began She began planting evidence in places for her to, like, bring out later at the right times to, like, back up her stories or her explanations. She would make up, you know, stories to cover up her tracks. Starting with Genevieve, which is one of the daughters. They mm-hmm. called her Annie. So I'm just going to call her Annie Davis. All right. One of the Maddie and Alden's daughters. Mm-hmm. With Annie grieving in the garden, Mary and Jane, they both saw Annie just staring off into space. And they're like, what is she staring at? Like, you know when somebody's so upset and they're just like, they're done crying, but they're just numb. They have a blank look on their face. Yep. I've been there. Yep. 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 Um, so. I just skipped to that part now. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm just <laughs> I don't like. I cry. just. Uh, uh. Yep. <laughs> uh, so later on, Jane used that particular moment to say like, oh, didn't you see? She was looking at rat poison. I think she was thinking about killing herself. <gasps> so this was useful lie because mm. a couple days later, Annie was found dead in her bed and appeared that she had died of rat poison, which Jane later put the story together and conveniently found some notes in Annie's room Mm -hmm. along with the rat poison that was in the garden. Uh, It seemed as though Annie could not cope with the loss of both of her parents in such a short time. And get this, instead of giving Mary, which is her sister, Uh Mary Davis, some damn time to grieve that her whole family just died within weeks of each other, Jane decided to, like, walk up to her and just asked, hey, do you think you that you would forgive the debt that I owed your mom since she's dead and all? Wow, yeah, Jane. <laughs> that didn't go You lost me well. there. Yeah. You lost me. Well, not just there. I mean, like, way earlier. But, like, j- I mean, for real. Yeah, Jane. Fucking bitch move. Yeah. Fucking bitch move altogether. Keep your morphine to yourself. Right? <laughs> Quit. Fucking around, Jane. (laughs) So what does Jane do? Jane takes care of Mary, of course, by offering her some soothing mineral water and coca wine mixture. AKA like Coca-Cola back in the day, except it was literally wine and and Coke. Like cocaine and wine. Yeah. Coca-Cola used to go fucking hard, man. Yeah, I know. Damn. Um, But of course, it wasn't just that. It was all the other opiates that Mary was fond of. She then killed Mary Davis the same way she had murdered her entire family. Well, what the fuck? Yep. But she done fucked up with the wrong girl, Mary Davis Gibbs. Mary Mary Davis Davis Gibbs. Gibbs. Mary was married. And not only was she married, but her father-in-law was an old general. And he smelt something fishing going on. So he hired some private investigators to look into Jane Topin. And when the results came back that a lot of patients had died under her watch and a bunch of just people in general, like around her in her entire life had Uh died. uh, He's just like, yeah, fuck that bitch. 
And so he had put an order to have his daughter-in-law's body exhumed uh-huh. and tested for, like, uh, I guess, you know, as much of a toxology report you can get in the 1900s yeah, I mean, and 1901. Right. <laughs> of course, it tested positive for fucking morphine, rat poison, all sorts of shit. And a huge amount of it. I know he's a general, but, like, give this man another medal. Yeah. Like... He deserves it. He fucking... Good work, General good, Gibbs. Good work, General fucking Gibbs. Uh, after this, he did notify authorities. They tracked Jane down and arrested her for the murder of Mary Gibbs in 1901, ending Jane's killing spree that lasted from 1895 to 1901. Wow. Damn. And Cambridge Hospital could have just stopped it right there if they were fucking smart enough. Yeah, I mean, like, if they... If there was ever, like, a record kept of the opiates that they keep in the hospital, for fuck's sake. Nope. I mean, like, even just, like, a record of opiates. So people could be like, why are all of these fucking drugs missing? Or why are they empty? Or why why did we just get a brand new bottle of morphine and it's already almost gone? Where the fuck is the rat poison going? Yeah. What the fuck? I just... (sighs) Whoa. What'd you put in my Dr. Pepper? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Holy shit, dude. Yep. And the fact that she would like crawl into bed with them as they were dying. <sighs> yeah, the descriptions of all of that were a lot more graphic, but Ooh. I just wanted to say that she caressed them. She, oh, yeah. Um, holy shit. So I'm just throwing that out there at the end. Um, ending uh, Jane's killing spree that, that lasted from 1895 to 1901, and it was the they said it was she was the most dangerous nurse serial killer in Massachusetts that has ever seen, and perhaps the United States, because that was just four people in one family, and then nobody knows how many at Cambridge, and nobody knows how many at Boston or Cambridge again, and then her stepsister, who however she did like, admit. She admitted to what? So when she did get caught, mm-hmm. she admitted to killing more than 31 people. Holy and shit. And she admitted that she mainly did it just because it was pleasurable for her. That's like... It was an addiction. She was killing like a person a month. And yeah, then she was at the end, she like... she was getting away with it. That's... I almost said overkill. Jesus Christ. Literally. Actual overkill. Yeah. She just overkilled people. Yep. Whoa. And I guess um, one of the things that even some psychologists to this day find interesting and kind of odd is that with most serial killers that kind of fall into a, like a couple different roles, like first people are like, oh, she matches like Angel of Death type of serial killer. Mm-hmm. But Angel of Death type of serial killer does... They pretty like, much so they killings. think that they're yeah, they think that they're doing mercy killing. Well, and that's what I thought at first too. I was like, oh, were these people suffering or were but they she like, was a true on the sadist or like but then it sounds like she was taking perfectly healthy people. Well, it was first it, in the hospitals it was first like ill people. People elderly, sick, right. ill, didn't matter what sex it was. Right. She would kill them and then later on she's just like, let's just kill everybody. Let's just get the healthy ones too. Everybody in. Everybody, everybody in. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Oof. Jesus. Not, yeah, not good. Not If you ever offer me mineral, if you ever offer me mineral water, I will slap it out of your hand. (laughs) You want some moon water? You want some moon water? Oh, how'd your moon water come out? Have you had some? 
Uh, yeah, I took a sip uh, the other night before bed, and I stayed awake. Oh. Well, it's Coke water. Whoa. <laughs> just kidding. Coca wine. Just kidding. And, da, da, da. yeah, that's pretty much so, like, my notes are wrapping up that, you know, people were confused because it's like, is she angel of death? Nope, but she's a sadist because she wasn't doing it for the mercy. She was just doing it for the pleasure and witnessing her victim suffer and die. The pleasure of killing people. Yeah, oh, exactly. Fucking... So was it the death uh... of her mother? Was it her father abusing her? Or was it possibly mental illness that she had inherited from her father? You know, a lot of people kind of argue both that she is absolutely not insane because she knew what she was doing. And in 1902, her lawyer was trying to play it off as though that Jane was insane. So she had a chance of being released. However, Jane protested in front of the court, in front of a jury, that she wasn't insane. And that if she was, how could she know what she was doing and do all this stuff meticulously? Like she obviously wanted to be caught. But another part of me thinks that she just really didn't want to go back to that insane asylum. And I think the jury saw that, too. That could be true. So they ruled her. And then her, also, like, they maybe she's just insane. not very smart. <laughs> right. She, uh, yeah, they ruled her insane. They actually said she was insane after she said she wasn't. Yep. They said that she was insane and sentenced her, her to life in Taunton Insane Hospital, where she then became absolutely paranoid. Of all the other nurses that were trying to take care of her, uh, well, yeah. refused to take any sort of medicine, refused to eat or drink anything because oh, she was shit. convinced that it was poisoned. Because, I mean, you go your whole life being a nurse, poisoning others, so it was said that she then just kind of withered away. <gasps> I'm sorry. And your lost cat, her fucking balls. Your cat is literally, like, smearing his face across my hand every time I put it out. Yay! Anyway, she lost her marbles. The end. Bam! Boom! Wow. Bing pow! She lost her marbles, Paul. <laughs> Your cat's very fluffy. Paul is Paul is really affectionate right now, and it it almost kind of frightens me a little bit, because because him's he's all like sniffles and cuddles. Um, give it to me. I really want a cigarette. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. And then, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least it's at least I don't have to go potty. It's a potty time. It's not potty. It's <laughs> time to have a cigarette. Et All puis right. je fume. What? Je ne veux pas travailler. Je ne veux pas déjeuner. Je veux seulement nous. Casey is pooping right now, so I'm going to help myself do a bonus fortune while she's gone. Alright, let's see here. Oh my god. A friend is a present you give to yourself. Did you hear that, Paul? You're my friend. You get that out of your system? I did. Were we recording? I recorded uh, a little a little something. What did you say? You'll find out. Oh, God. Now I'm zooming in. <laughs> Get her done, Faith. Here Drew, we are. Drew Marnine. Okay. 
All right. Let's see here. Okay, hold on. So, uh, I have a little bit of history before I explain what my story is. Okay. So, this is really kind of like my... Uh, Faith texted always... me and said this one's a spicy one. It's pretty spicy. Ooh. So, this is kind of like... Something I've always been interested in is the establishment of the penal colony in Australia. Ooh. Which is how most of the population got there. So... I mean, hopefully we don't have any listeners in Australia yet because that's that's kind of a sore point. But it's something that I've always been interested in because it, it basically was a penal colony. So between 1788 and 1868, about 162,000 convicts were transported from Britain to various penal colonies throughout Australia. So in the early 1600s, the British were shipping their criminals to the U.S. So that was going on for a long time. Like, that was going on for like 180 years. They were just like, well, why don't we just send our criminals to the Americas? So a lot of the U.S. population is also descended from basically like Britain's finest. Oh, yes. So with the beginning of the American Revolution, they basically needed a new solution because everybody they sent over to the United States was just like more soldiers for them. Yeah. So they were like, we can't, obviously we can't send people over there anymore. So British prisons were becoming overcrowded and they were having to just like execute people left and right. And it wasn't, it just wasn't a very good way to live. Uh, In 1770, James Cook, British explorer, had landed on and declared possession for Britain, the east coast of Australia. Thus, in 1787, to not only relieve the convict problem, but to also prevent the French from expanding into that territory... Damn, so much is going... Like, I didn't... I had no idea. Yeah. So this is this is how Australia came to be. The British sent the first fleet of ships. So that was 11 ships altogether. It was three store ships, basically just full of supplies, two Royal Navy vessels, and six ships full of convicts, Marines, and free people. 1,400 people left Britain and about... 1,350 people arrived in Australia. So for some reason, I feel like, you know, you immediately think like, oh, that's not a lot, but it kind of is to start a colony. To start a colony? I mean, like 1,400 people. So 1,400 people left Britain, 1,350 people arrived. The journey took approximately 250 days to complete. They landed in Botany Bay and founded the first colony in Sydney, New South Wales. A year later, they did the first census, and that revealed an approximate loss of 300 people. So there were 1,030 people in 1788 when they did the census. It was 767 men, 222 women, 41 children, 6 rabbits, 7 cattle, 7 horses, 29 sheep, and 74 swine. Which I feel like that's not enough animals. I mean, they had a lot of pigs. Yeah. I don't know. Pigs get pretty big. I mean, Uh, I assume that we can't really go into like how fast pigs make babies. (laughs) Right. I mean, because I don't, I have no idea. I don't pretend to know for once. Uh, The last of the quote unquote first fleeters died in the mid 1840s to the mid 1850s. Some of, I read like all of their stories and some of the cooler ones were uh, John McCarthy, who was a Marine from Ireland who came to the U.S., or not the U.S. He came to Australia, and once he was honorably discharged from his post, he married one of the first fleet convicts named Anne Beardsley. He died at his granddaughter's home when he was 100.5 years old. Holy shit. Yeah. 
I mean, the reason why I'm yelling is because that's that's very rare to live that long, in especially back then. The eight, the in the mid 1800s. Holy yeah. crap! So yeah, so there was that. John Limeburner, in an article dated Wednesday, November third, eighteen forty seven. Limeburner, the oldest colonist in Sydney, died in September at the advanced age of 104 years. Yeah. Seriously, I, I don't know what's in Australia. I know. Part of me was ne- is now like trying to, I kind of wanted one of these days to look up like how old do people live in modern days in Australia? Right. Is there something going on? I feel like we're moving backwards. Um, okay, go ahead. He... No, I mean like in age, as far as like, you know. He helped to pitch the first tent in Sydney and remembered the first display of the British flag there. He was convicted on July 9th, 1785. So this is 18... So 1785 is when he was convicted to transportation. And then he died in 1847. So that's 60 years? So he... (laughs) Right? Something like that. So he was convicted on July 9th, 1785 at New Sarum, Wiltshire, of theft of a waistcoat, a shirt, and stockings. Uh, uh oh, okay. And they said, you're going to Australia. I'm like, that's bad enough. Like, you're going. He shoplifted. And they were like, we're going to uh, send you on a nearly year-long journey to a different continent. Get out of here. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, like, can you imagine if somebody was like, like, you're at the mall and you shoplift like a $300 purse or like a shirt, a waist, a, a waistcoat, a shirt and stockings. He didn't even get the pants. Nope. Like, if you if you like got like a top and some pantyhose from Macy's and they were like, we're sending you to Asia by boat. I just it seems seems a bit much, but OK. By old boat. Right. Not an, new boat. An old boat. Uh, the last one is Elizabeth Thackeray, who was later on known as Betty King. She was convicted of theft on May 4th, 1786, and sentenced to seven years transportation. So basically, they were like, we're going to send you there. You only have to stay there for seven years, but we're not. it's not like we're going to send you back. Right. She has you to know. find her own way back. Yeah. So... She basically took up with this guy, James Dotting, who was another convict. They lived together. They had some property. They parted ways. And in 1810, she married former Marine Sam King, who also came over on the first fleet. And she lived with him until she her death at 89 years old in Tasmania. I don't know what's going on with the fucking water down there. Apparently what? in the 1800s, like, okay, if, if we were transported 400 years in the past. Is that... That's I, not... I'd make my way to Australia so I could right. live very long. <laughs> Apparently. Okay, so that brings me to our story, which is the Melbourne gangland killings. Taking place in Melbourne, Australia. I'm, I'm doing <laughs> this because I have no... I'm like, I've, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically I'm going to give you... So here's some background. Uh, We're going to start with the Painters and Dockers Union. Okay. So the Painters and Dockers Union was an actual, like, registered union at the Melbourne waterfront at the ports. Came together at Melbourne after World War II. The union was totally legitimate, totally registered, but they were completely known for having, like, a mafia-like power structure and being heavily involved with the import of drugs like heroin and cocaine, but also a great deal of amphetamines overall. By the year 1990, the police described Melbourne as the amphetamine capital of Australia. Wow. Yes. 
The union also brought in substantial profit through maybe protection. that's where uh, maybe that's where Jane got her mineral water. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> uh, substantial profit through protection rackets for nightclubs. So basically, they were like, "We'll make sure nothing happens to you. You can do whatever you want, but you got to pay us." So nightclub protection, uh, as well as prostitution, illegal gambling, and of course, arm- armed robbery. So it all basically like. I'm going to give you like a rundown of like who everybody is before we get started. Okay, please do. there's a fucking lot to unpack here. And I also hope like that they have really cool mob names. The whole time I was doing this research, I was like, Casey's going to do the voice. (laughs) You'll know what the voice is when you hear it. (laughs) So we're going to go over basically. So when the painters and dockers became deregistered as a union, they still kept the name as the Painters and Dockers Union, but they were basically known as the Moran family because the they Moran were Moran family. They were known it it was run by Jason Moran, Mark Moran, Louis Moran, and Des Moran. So that is like the Moran family. These are like the heavy hitters in in this like gang, in this part of like the criminal underworld. That isn't everybody, but it's like they're the big players. Uh the next one is the Carlton crew. And this is this is the one that I I'm pretty sure you're gonna like. I already love it. The Carlton crew. The Carlton crew. <laughs> I uh, just picture a bunch of guys in like it's all Carlton. leather jackets and they, they're dancing like Carlton off a of French prince, but snapping their fingers and approaching you in a menacing way. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, it's so catchy. <laughs> so uh, the Carlton crew founding member Alphonse Gangitano. Whoa. Yep. Uh, Alphonse Gangitano. Oh my God, you can't do that for every single one, sissy. I want to. <laughs> I know you do, especially with this one. Mick Gatto. Whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mick Gatto. Yeah. The way that you said that and looked at him is me. You cut me to the core with I that gotcha. name. <laughs> Mario Candelo, Vincenzo Manella, and wow. his brother, Gerardo Manella. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Paul just sneezed at the... Whoop. Oh, oh, he's wow. so cute. He's got a heckin' cute sneezing face. Okay, so that is the, the Carlton crew, largely Italian uh, mob from uh, Carlton, which is the, the area they're from. Then we have the Russians. Whoa. Yes. Okay. Um, that is made up of Nick Radev, Mark Malia, Hussam Zayat, Istvan Gulias, and Willie Thompson. Ah! <laughs> I feel like Willie's just like a brother in law. That they're like just like, just oh, like, I guess Willie can come. I guess like. <laughs> It's just like it's like it's a girl Svetlana's Tatiana husband. that's yeah. I was gonna say like Tatiana goes up to her brother and goes, "Please let him join. Let Willie be in the gang. <laughs> let Willie be in the gang." And then they're like, "Ah, shit, oh, fine. <laughs> we'll let Willie come." All right, and then <laughs> uh, so and then we have the Sunshine Crew who have been friends. Since- I'm sorry. Can I just say this one more thing about Willie? Yes. I just picture everybody being all tough and like they're beating up a guy in a back warehouse. And then Willie comes in going, you guys, I got the bagels. He's dressed like a cool dad, like a wannabe cool dad wearing like socks and sandals. Oh and my like, God. <laughs> like 
cargo shorts with a million pockets. They're like, not now, Willie. And he has like these big nerdy glasses on that have like a necklace attached to them oh so he doesn't lose God. them. He's got like glasses. <laughs> hey, guys, minders. I brought donuts. <laughs> but like, keep in mind, these are all done in Australian accents. That makes it somehow these are all better. Like Australian gangsters. Uh, okay, so the Sunshine Crew. Um, everybody's been friends since childhood in this one. This one is like one of those really like tight knit ones. So you have Paul Kalipolidis, Dino Dibra, Ooh. Benji Veniamin. Yeah, Benji Veni- Benji Andrew Benji Veniamin, Rocco Orico, <laughs> Bluey Watkins, and Johnny Ocello. <laughs> Bluey. Old fucking Bluey. Oh, you're um, saying all these names like I'm going to remember. Holy I know, shit. I know, but it, like I it just like try to keep it in mind while we're going through this because there's the a names fucking, are fantastic all by themselves. Things get things get fucking wild. Okay, so then we have the Williams family: Carl Williams, George Williams, uh, Tony Mockbell is a part of this gang. Benji Vanneman from the Sunshine Crew is heavily associated with the Williams family, as is Dino Dibra from the Sunshine Crew. So they grew up together, apparently. They kind of like run (laughs) in the same sort of circles together. Then we have the Honored Society, which is Frank Benvenuto, who is the godfather, Frank Tizzoni, Bob Trimboli, and... uh, Oh my God. (laughs) Domenico Italiano, which I wish I was making up, but that's like apparently his fucking name. (sighs) That just sounds like a made-up person. I know. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Domenico. I really like Bob Trimboli, though. Bob Trimboli. I like Frank. I want him to Frank sell Tizzoni. trampolines. <laughs> Bob Trimboli trampolines. Come oh and get God. yours today. I want him to. And Bob Trimboli. I want him to have a fucking pizza restaurant. Trimboli Stromboli. <laughs> Domenico Italiano. Fucking A. Okay. Okay. So it basically everything, everything starts up. I'm going to give you guys like a a quick, like, here's where it all started. And then we're going to go basically like pretty, pretty itemized. Like I'm going to try and like make this as straightforward as I can. Because honestly, like I had to do so much fucking research to make this even like followable. So it all starts in 1996 uh, with the arrest of John William Samuel Higgs, which I didn't name, but he was Australia's most connected and powerful drug trafficker. So he was in with the police. He was in with the underworld. It was basically like amazing and a miracle that he was even caught because he was so like had his reach so far into the police that like his arrest led to the arrest of several like corrupt officers. Whoa. Yes. So his arrest involved one of the most expensive criminal investigations in Australian history. So thanks to corrupt police involvement, Higgs' multiple stashes and his entire syndicate basically vanished very neatly after his arrest. So he basically like all traces of him were erased. Like probably like, hey, if I get caught, make sure that there's nothing for them to peg me Make sure that nothing is left. So after that, basically, because he was such like a kingpin, that left this huge vacuum where he was left. So automatically, everybody just fucking lost their minds. So this huge, huge room making room for rising stars in the underworld, like Jason Moran from the Painters and Dockers Union and Carl Williams from the Williams family, who basically become key figures in the Melbourne gangland killings. So this sets the stage. But in 1998, it was the murders of John Higgs number one, Alphonse Gangitano from the Carlton Hmm. crew, the founding member. He was murdered doing his laundry 
in his undies. <laughs> so, and then Mad Charlie Hegelji, uh, who was another powerful gang member who was closely affiliated with John Higgs and a lot of other uh, mobsters at the time. So this basically ignited this years-long criminal underworld bloodbath. So 1998, Gangatano was shot by Jason Moran from the Moran family in 1998. His death was likely meant to settle a power dispute between the Morans and the Carlton crew, uh, seeing as how career criminal godfather Graham Kinneberg was in the home. So Graham, Kim- Graham Kinneberg is like an older godfather type that like is is like everybody's fucking wise ass old sage criminal grandpa basically tell me what to do so he was so like he was there they found his blood in the house and they found his skin on a door (gasps) on the door like he was definitely there but they were both excused from giving testimony because they would have incriminated themselves and then nobody else stepped up so the charges were dropped, even though it was like, you guys definitely killed this man in his laundry room. Like, Alphonse Gangatana was found in his undies, dead in his laundry room, like shot twice in the yeah. head, execution style. And then Mad Charlie was blown up by a car bomb by Dino Dibra, who is associated with the Williams family. So we've got <sighs> the Williams family and the Moran family have both killed some like huge players already. Mad Charlie went out with the bang. So Mad, so that was probably a drug-related debt to the Williams family. Uh, Mad Charlie owed them a bunch of money. So, so this is in 1998, uh, and it gets better. I'm still like, holy shit! So just this one guy gets arrested, and they're like, "All right, anything goes. Let's do it." Like, let's uh, start yeah, killing each other. <laughs> like, they're just sort of like, they're like, "Oh, um, what do we fucking do now? Oh, anything we want." Uh, I should mention that. Jason Moran, Mark Moran, Carl Williams, they're all in their mid-20s. Of course. These aren't like 40-year-old, like 45-year-old, like they've lived their life. They no, have it's their just kids. a bunch of young punks They're a bunch of fucking streets. like, yeah, crazy-ass people. Let's go to the year 1999. Benji Veniamin attempts to off Damien Catania, but only gets him in the legs and crotch. Ow. I know. Catania was a mid-level player and probably just drew too much attention. He was uh, starting to get into the illegal gambling and drug ring. So it was basically like accepted that um, Benji Veniamin was like, we got to get rid of him. He's just, he's just doing too much. Uh, Later on. He's stepping on our turf. Yeah. Later on, Catania was arrested and sentenced to six years in prison for uh, drowning a man in gasoline and lighting him on fire. Holy shit. Yes. Yep. And and was quoted as saying when he gets out of prison, he's going to pack up and leave Melbourne. Which, like, yeah, dude, get out. Joe Quadera was 57, was mistaken for Giuseppe Joe Quadera, and killed by, again, Benji Veniamin in a hit ordered by Frank Benvenuto from the Honored Society. Um, It was a mistaken identity. So he was killed in a Safeway parking lot (sighs) as he was getting ready to go to work. The so wait, they have Safeways there? Yeah. Whoa. So the Honored Society was basically like they called it like the Green Grocer Gang because (laughs) they were that's not very threatening. (laughs) No, it's not. They were like heavily involved in like the Melbourne markets, which were across from the Melbourne docks. So like the dockers and like the green grocers were in on it together because like the drugs would come into the port and then they would sell them at the markets. 
So those two gangs like kind of like intermingled. But anyway, Benji Veniamin basically accidentally kills the wrong guy. Damn it, Benji. I know. So, but now we kind of know. I just know. keep picturing Benji from Good Charlotte. I do too. Holla, holla hey. back to all of the people <laughs> that used to listen to Good Charlotte. Did I tell you about <sighs> the other day, this like coworker, I mean, maybe I've already said this, but this coworker comes up to me and he's like, Faith, do you like the Jonas Brothers? Oh and my I was God. Like, um, and he was like, because they're coming back and they're going to have a tour. And I was like, ah, uh, that was like a little after my time. Like my last boy band was Good Charlotte. Who's and he was good like, Charlotte? who? And I was like, ugh. <laughs> and then I died. Yeah. Somebody at work today, they're like, hey, Casey, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 28. And they went, uh, oh, um, you do not look 28. Okay. This- and then they stopped talking to me because wow. I'm what? I'm too old. So I'm 28. It's not even that old. Oh my god! I was checking these ladies' IDs at the bar the other day, and I was like, "Can I see your IDs?" And she was like, "Bless you, child." And she like handed me your ID, and I was like, "I'm only two years younger than you are." <laughs> like, bless I didn't, you, child. I was like, "What?" Uh, but okay. Anyways, she was like, "Oh, honey. Oh, honey, child. Bless what's Bob you, child. Trombone And I was doing? just like, "All right, <laughs> all right." So, um, here is the fucking big one. This is where shit hits the fan. I mean, like, I know shit has been hitting Does the Does Willie fan. die? Wait. Oh. Carl Williams was shot in the stomach in October of 1999 um, and survived. At the time, he claimed he had blacked out and could not identify the shooter. However, that's a fucking lie. He fucking knew. He knew exactly who it was. He's going to get him himself. On his 29th birthday, Carl Williams goes to meet with Jason and Mark Moran to settle a dispute over the over drug trafficking. Jason shoots him three times in the stomach. He he goes to the hospital, says he blacked out, didn't see who the shooter was, and couldn't identify them. But a witness testified that she had heard a voice yell out, no, Jason, moments before three gunshots rang out. Carl is was known as a prolific Melbourne drug dealer. Uh was shot on his 29th birthday. It later came out after that that he basically swore vengeance on the entire Moran family after his recovery. I mean, I would too. I mean, yeah. You come to settle a dispute and your shit and you gets shot up. you fucking shoot me in the stomach? Right. That's so, how you treat this settlement? Right. Right. You come to Fuck me. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, mate. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so Carl and his father, one month later, so they attempt to to fucking kill him. Carl and his father, one month later, are charged with multiple drug offenses after a warehouse raid from an anonymous tip, quote unquote, and they are relieved of $20 million in amphetamines and amphetamine related to s- supplies. And that's $20 million Australian in 1999. Oh, which is way more than our money. It's a lot. So basically, they're just fucking wiped out. The charges are never preceded. They're lost in the corrupt police system. I believe that they do recover quite a bit of what they lost in the raid. But anyway, we're going to go to the year 2000. New year, new me. Wow. I feel like that. So we went from... So this is what this has happened wow. in a year. Benji wow. basically attempts to kill one man, kills a kills another guy who was the wrong man. Carl Williams has been shot in the stomach by the Moran brothers. Uh, the Moran brothers basically try to wipe him and his father out of the drug uh, racket. So that's the year 1999. This has happened, and I'm leaving things out. <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot has happened. 
And uh, okay, so the year two thousand. New century, new me. Yeah, Frank Benvenuto, new me. Yeah, right. Frank Benvenuto of the Greengrocers Gang, the Honored Society, is shot in his driveway in May. Uh, he manages before he dies to call his associate Victor Pierce and inform him that Mick Gatto was behind all this. Uh, initially, the police obviously suspected Gatto, uh, but released him from investigation and instead uh, put out a $100,000 reward for information leading to the suspect of the murder. Even Which though the Frank Benvenuto was literally like, it was Mick Gatto. Right. But and the $100,000 reward would probably be a pretty hefty sum for some people that just lost a bunch of money. So, well, it's all just, I feel like it's just a misleading ruse. So somebody uh, turns them on to Benji Veniamin again and Mark Moran, who were renamed as chief suspects. Let's see. They're gut shooters. Right. So this is in May. Fast Wait, forward. No, Jason. Jason is the one that shot him, but Mark was there. Mark Moran is shot dead with two bullets by Carl Williams in oh. June of 2000. Moran had basically been under police surveillance for months after the murder of Frank Benvenuto, but the cameras and surveillance squads were uh, switched. Mysteriously off? Mysteriously off, and nobody was there hours before Carl's the murder. Carl's like, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks each. Right. It was basically widely accepted that Williams was claiming retribution for his attempted murder, and then also the murder of uh, Godfather Benvenuto because the Williams family was close with the Honored Society. Uh, over the next few years, multiple drug dealers were murdered, uh, such as Godfather's Last Contact and Associate Victor Pierce and enemy of the Russians, Alex Kudryavstiev. Good job. Thanks. I think. I, I'm i pretty sure. So, uh, so that's 2000 to 2001. 2002. I put founder of the Sunshine Crew, but I forgot to write his name down, and I'm pretty sure... Okay. Founder of the Sunshine Crew. Uh, that also doesn't sound very menacing. I know, right? So, Sunshine Crew uh, is Paul Kalipolidis. So, if you remember, Paul Kalipolidis and everybody in that gang had been friends since childhood. And the people in the gang were Paul, Dino, uh, Benji, Rocco, Bluey, and Johnny. Bluey! Bluey. So... Paul Calipolidis is shot through the head in his bedroom oh. by Benji Veniamin. Benji! What the fuck? He's just fucking slaughtering folks so, out here. So uh, basically, so Benji and him had been, like the police, when they investigated the murder, they were like, it's very clear that Paul knew whoever it was that murdered him because there's no sign of a struggle. He didn't even move. Like, he w it's almost like he wasn't surprised. Right. So... Which, I mean, like, which sounds so fucking dramatic because I just imagine that, like, Paul, like, wakes up and Benji's, like, in his bedroom, like, sorry, man. Right. Yeah. Oh, that makes me really sad. I know. Like, they all grew up together. Uh, they grew up, yeah, they've been friends since childhood. So, it's basically, uh... Somebody told Benji, like, you gotta do this or you you're You gotta dead. do it, man, or you're gone. Uh, so, it was said that Benji accepted a paid hit from Angelo Venditti who uh, was from a rival gang and Benji then took over the drug business the very next day after Polycolitis had been murdered. So that's the notable death of 2002. Um, I think at some point in 2002, also a male prostitute that was involved with the prostitution ring in one of the gangs was also arrested and later killed in prison. 
Because they don't want to snitch. But he was, like, arrested for, like, beating up one of his female clients. Which is funny because, like, you don't hear about a lot of, like, hetero male prostitutes. <laughs> you know, you don't, but they're all Yeah, there. I guess so, you know? Uh, okay, so 2003. In April, Nick Radev, the Russian, was shot seven times by either George Williams, Carl Williams, Benji Vianemin, one, two, or, or all three. Police and other associates basically had warned Radev that he was a marked man, but Radev was believed, he still believed that his relationship with the Williams was in good standing. So that was clearly wrong. So, you're okay. wrong. So, I mean, like, God, so many people have died right now. <laughs> We're two years in, and let's see, five. Five people are dead so far. Wow. I, well, there's actually more than that, but I didn't put it in here i was just like was concerned with the major players the ones that i had fucking narrowed down and that's still a long list that's of players still a lot of people uh jason moran of the moran brothers the Should one we that make a board game right i mean jesus christ make There's a drink players game. on the board drink every time benji fucking kills somebody right well, um, not even that like literally make like a board you know game called close? risk but like instead of the different colors just people, gang wars just the gang wars and they're the different colors are like the different games. I seriously like games. I was so fucking close to like breaking out my fucking red yarn and like making like a thing on the bulletin board <laughs> with all the like, pictures printed out and being like, he kills that. And the, he, this guy kills and then that this guy. Guy kills this him, guy but kills why? Because of this. <laughs> okay. April 2003, uh, the founder of the Russian gang is shot seven times. June, Jason Moran and his minder, which is basically his bodyguard, are executed in their minivan while parked across the street waiting for Jason Moran's children to leave football <gasps> practice. So he like waited for the kids to leave and then they Or did the kids die too? <sighs> All five children saw the murder, uh including Jason Moran's 6-year-old twins. The gunman escaped across the field to a waiting vehicle. That makes me really sad. He was an anonymous hired hit. All right, Casey, are you ready for this? Yeah. 2003 July. Willie Thompson no is leaving a karate club <gasps> oh he was a nerdy dad thompson's official civilian job was selling lollipops in a nightclub but was well known for his drug manufacturing he just sounded like he wanted to fit in and become more useful so he started taking karate classes <laughs> i mean it's it's i can fight too you guys the i don't year, just have to get the bagels the year is 2003 fucking poor willie thompson is leaving his karate club and is shot in his car Tatiana's not gonna like this. She's not gonna like it. So while he had he had fallen out with the Russians during uh after Radev's death, um, and it was basically Carl had him executed because he wanted to steal all of his drug making supplies. Uh. So they fucking He's so leaving Williams he's leaving the fucking dojo Billy. in his little fucking like robe and shit and like literally they said the gunman quote unquote strolled up to his car and shot him in the driver's seat. Yeah. And I'm just like I don't know if I saw somebody like strolling up to me with a gun, I'd just be fucking I going. Mean, I'd be you, leaving. I, I would be he, I, would I don't wait. think he even like saw, you know, like I'm assuming he didn't see who he was like well, maybe the witnesses in the karate club, they were like, oh, bye. I mean, like, bye, Willie. But the other thing, too, is that, like, his oh, look, job was. Oh, guy with a gun. Bang. Literally, ah! his job was selling lollipops in a nightclub. So I'm just not sure if Willie really had it together. 
But, you know, it's 2003. You're leaving the karate club, listening to Is some it good bad Charlotte. that I'm just picturing Willie as, like, a dumb American that I, wants to hang? I honestly, he's he's got the most American-sounding name. I know. He's like, hey, guys, just let me, just let me chill. Can I, I chill? Picture, for some reason, I'm picturing him like a nerdy dad from Wisconsin. I just imagine hey, him kiddos. being like... I don't know, like a skinny, scraggly white dude with like a sparse beard and like a man bun. Yeah, not a man bun, like dad's haircut. Just kind of strung out. I I think I have a completely different, like... I, I'm picturing a dude with a fanny pack. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I kind of like yours better. But anyway, <laughs> Willie Thompson... a lot more innocent. Willie Thompson... will lollipops out of his fanny pack. <laughs> Willie Thompson... Is it's shot in his car while leaving Karate Club. No. So, um, <laughs> sorry, sissy. So let's go to August. Uh, Mark Malia, who is also part of the Russian gang. So <laughs> I was literally about to say, who's August? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, another one? Okay, no. So Russian gang so far. They killed Radev. They killed Willie. Uh, Mark Malia's burnt body is found packed into, I had to look this up, packed into a quote unquote wheelie bin, which is just a trash can. That um, makes me happy. <laughs> right? I know. That's literally what they call it. I looked, I was like, what is a wheelie names. bin? <laughs> you guys have fun names for, ours so, is just a garbage can. I like wheelie bin can. a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so his burnt body is found packed into a wheelie bin and stuffed into a storm drain. He had been killed months earlier with a shovel after being tortured by Carl Williams, Benji Veniamin, and five other people. The torture was apparently to reveal the location of a large amount of laundered money that had been buried somewhere. I feel like Carl and Benji are eventually going to turn on each other and there's going to be no one left. So, okay. Carry on. Carl is arrested after making threats towards a crime task force. Task force. (laughs) Task force officer. Whoa. We did it. Yay! <sighs> so, but he is bailed out and the charges were later dropped. Mysteriously. December. You remember I told you about a uh, grandpa mobster? Yeah. Godfather Graham Kinneberg is shot in front of his entire family <gasps> by Benji Veniamin. What the fuck, Benji? As ordered by Carl Williams. Carl and Benji, what the fuck? I feel like Benji's going to turn around on Carl and Benji's going to be like, surprise, motherfucker. Oh my God, right? French fries, motherfucker. Hard eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> Sup- oh. Sunrise, motherfucker. <laughs> Disguise, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, we're done. Takes off his like mustache and glasses and shoots him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so most of the Melbourne underworld is uh, at his funeral. At Where the they say, all rise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> At Funeral. the time of his death, Kinneberg is the most influential uh, criminal in Melbourne. You think? Yeah. So he um, he had run, he had been part of what was known as the Drillbait Gang. And basically, like, his style was just old-fashioned safe-cracking. Like, he just went into rich people's homes and, like, fucking robbed him of their jewels. Drilled into their safes and took their shit. Like, that's, that's like, how he got his start, you know? So, he is, he is shot by Benji. Um, hmm. And uh, at his, at his funeral, Mick Gatto is a pallbearer. So, it's this whole thing. So, uh, let's see, what was he that? He bears 2000, my fall. 2003? 2003 was a fucking rough year, man. 
So basically, almost all of the Morans have been fucking wiped out. Benji is killing people left and right. Willie's gone. R.A.P. R.A.P. Um, <laughs> and we end the year with the slaying of Graham Kinneberg, uh, Grandpa Godfather. So, on to 2004. In March. New year, new me, question mark? Uh, outright point blank in the chest benji veniamin is shot in oh. front of god and everyone by mick gatto himself in the middle of la porcella pizzeria whoa like if you're gonna do it somewhere that's gonna be the place to do it especially by a guy named mick gatto i mean mick gatto is gonna shoot you it's gonna be at a pizzeria yeah no kidding <laughs> holy shit so benji, benji is down Benji's benji has gone. been slain so fucking the yeah. reign of benji's terror is gone benji's down uh benji was his civilian job was a professional mitigator like that's it's kind of like a lawyer and that was Benji's job. That was Benji's civilian job. And then on the side, he was apparently a fucking hired gun. Holy shit. Okay, so end of an era. <laughs> Some fries, motherfucker. Oh, you already said that yes, one. Yes, I did. <laughs> What's a pizza one? I can't know. I, I don't know. I can't know. I can't pretend to know. <laughs> I can't make up anything because then it'll just sound dumb. All right, so in March 2004, <laughs> some chives, motherfucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, <laughs> carry on. Some chives. <laughs> uh, okay, in March, uh, the father of the Moran brothers, Louis Moran, is shot in broad daylight by two dudes in raincoats in front of the Brunswick Club. He had basically just been released on bail for drug trafficking, and the police told him to lay low. Uh, the hit was paid for by, of course, Carl Williams. Of course. Of course. So March, Carl wants everybody dead. March, April, May comes around. Carl Williams' best friend, Louis Kane, is shot in the head and dumped in front of the Brunswick Club. Now that's message, Carl. Yeah. Fucking listen up, Carl. Mario Candelo, which is the last heavyweight from the Carlton crew, ha uh had ordered the hit as revenge on the Williams because the Carlton crew and the Morans had been close and Carl basically wiped out all of them. Yeah. Uh, the task force assigned to the gangland killings arrest Carl Williams for conspiracy to murder on June 9th. His associates were arrested. Only Did he actually stay in there? Wait. Okay. His associates were arrested 30 feet away from the home of Mario Candelo, which is the guy that ordered the hit on Carl's best. They were friend. arrested thirty feet away. Thirty feet like, away. They from were on their way. Thirty to get feet some. away from his house. You escaped this time. Two thousand five. Nothing really notable happened. They like calmed down a little bit. Yeah, they calmed down quite a bit. Uh, there was still like drug problems, but everything was pretty much. It was. It was like the calm. Sort of before the storm. Well, no. I mean, honestly, the storm happened. Okay. I mean, really fucking shit. I mean, there's not really much, there's not a lot of other people to cause a storm. There's worse. really nobody left. I mean, Everybody like, there's, died. I mean, there's still, like, hundreds of criminals in Melbourne, but, like, you Is know. the Godfather movie based off of this? Um, no. I don't think so. Dear I think Lord. the Godfather movie is just about, like, regular mob. Because not... so far, I feel like we're just describing the whole plot of Godfather. Shit's just, like, <laughs> going on. Everybody's getting right. shot. There's a lot of suits and Italian names. <laughs> okay, so. Pizzerias. <laughs> 2006. A lot of families. We make it all the way to May. 
And then Mario Candelo is shot and killed. On his way home from dinner with Mick Gatto by new gun for hire, Rodney the Duke Collins. Whoa. Yeah. Rodney's a new player. uh, The Duke Collins. Rodney's been kind of kicking around a little bit. He didn't, he wasn't really involved in anything high profile like Benji was, but he was involved in like a lot of like smaller like drug dealers were being picked off left and right. And like, so he he was taking care of, I don't know. But his name was Rodney the Duke Collins. Maybe he just decided to give himself that name. I would too. I mean, like, if I were if I were part of the fucking like uh, Melbourne underworld, I'd totally go by the Duchess. (gasps) (laughs) I just realized how awesome that sounds for you. (laughs) And then I don't know what my thing would be. I don't know if I would be like let's let's call the Duchess. This is a job for the Duchess. You just have these hairpins and you take them out. Right before. Yeah. And then I just stab you in either side of the neck. Yeah. So Candelo's coming home from dinner with Mick Gatto, uh, shot and killed. So things, basically, that was like the end of the era. Uh, in 2009, uh, so Carl is still in jail. Carl went to jail for like good, good. Good. Carl's gone. I'm also the Williams family is still very die. much so intact, but Carl is in jail. 2009, Desmond Moran, who is the brother-in-law of Louis Moran, who is the Moran brother's father. So we've got... So he's the last Moran. He's the last Moran. Uh, And Carl's like, that's not good enough. (laughs) I need him gone too. Well, here's the thing. So Desmond Moran is shot and killed in June by his sister-in-law, Judy. Whoa. Louis's surviving wife. So they were fighting. So when Louis... Jason and Mark all passed away. They had all this laundered money left in their will. It was most, I think they were supposed to split it evenly, but Judy felt that she was entitled to it because she was Lewis's wife. Yeah. And Desmond was like, I'm his brother. And, you know, like. And you're going to spend it on your hair and what your the nails. Fuck? So. Uh, your womanly things. Judy has Desmond shot fighting over drug money. She. Had two other people with her. Um, one of them turned on her in testimony and got her convicted for a life sentence for murder. So I'm assuming they knew where her money was. And um, yeah, and like, I mean, it's not like it was hidden or anything. Like they knew where it was. So, so yeah, Judy, Judy fucking kills Des. Judy goes to prison. All right, so that's in 2009. So things have pretty much so like the killings have like basically subsided. Oh, gosh, I hope so. There's nobody else to kill. So, I know. So, out of the people that I listed earlier, I'm just going to go over this really quick. Uh, the Sunshine Crew. Paul Kalapulitis, dead. Uh, Dino Dibra, actually dead. Um, Benji Veniamin, dead. Rocco Arico, dead. dead. Uh, Bluey Watkins, I don't know. He could still be out there. Oh, uh, Bluey! As well as Johnny Ocello. The Carlton Crew. Alphonse Gangitano, dead. Mick Gatto, dead. Alive, right? Whoa. Yeah, alive. Mick Gatto is still alive. Mario Candelo, dead. Vincenzo Manella and his brother Gerardo Manella, both dead. Uh, they were one of the smaller players that were killed that I didn't mention. The Russians, Nick Ridev, dead. Mark Malia, dead. dead. Hussam Zayat, dead. 
Uh, I'm actually not sure. I think he was more of like the doer guy. Oh. Um, Istvan Gulias is dead, and Willie Thompson, dead. unfortunately, dead. Oh, poor Willie. Uh, no, he might be like one of the sickest guys out there. We just are thinking that he has a nice name. He's probably fucking terrible. Yeah. He's in a gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I want there to be somebody innocent in this situation, but there isn't. <laughs> nope. They're all fucking criminals. All right. Painters and Dockers Union. Jason Moran, dead. Mark Moran, dead. Louis Moran, dead. Des Moran, dead. dead. The Williams family, everybody is alive and well, uh, except for Benji, Veniamin, and Dino. Uh, obviously, they are dead as well. Uh, and now... To the Green Grocer Gang, which actually uh, did fairly well, as far as I know. I didn't see any deaths or uh, convictions on this side. They so stayed they... over in their Safeway parking lot. Right. So Frank Tizzoni, Bob Trimboli, and Domenico Italiano are all still alive for as long as, I mean, as far as we know. Alive and maybe well. <laughs> Who knows? Possibly. Okay. Back to... All right, the year is 2010. Carl has his head smashed in while in prison. Oh, wow. I mean, he had it coming. Matthew Johnson, who was a former hitman in the gangland killings. He was serving several life sentences in wow. prison. And, I mean, he uh, had nothing to lose. I mean, really, when you're literally serving several life sentences with no possibility of parole, why wouldn't you just, you know, kill somebody while you're at it? And that, that's is everybody. The end of Carl. I mean, like that's not everybody, but that's like you know that's the a end lot of, of the top players. That's yeah. Um, I did feel you like say that any of these gangs are like still somewhere alive and well and like just kind of like kicking it, or like the police force was just like, okay, you can't buy. Oh, a oh, anymore. something else I found out that was like actually super fucked up that I found out. What? Tell me. I know. I'm finding a. In one of these, uh, in one of these paragraphs, they called uh, Benvenuto a fruiterer. What's a fruiterer? It's a green grocer. <laughs> oh, good. Well then. Um. Okay. Uh, it was found in. Uh. In December 2018, it was revealed that one of the defense lawyers involved in prosecution had become a police informant. Prompting a royal commission. So, okay, that's just fucked up to me. Because, like, you're a defense lawyer and you're giving away your clients' information and incriminating them? For money? For for what? For what? So, uh, the defense lawyer was known by pseudonym Lawyer X or Informer 3838. On what? March 1st, 2019, literally this month... The Court of Appeals revealed that the former defense barrister Nicola Gabo was the lawyer ex. So if you are being tried for a fucking crime, don't go to that attorney. No, absolutely not. Well, doesn't he get disbarred? I have no idea. It says former defense barrister. So I'm like... Did he die? I mean... Did somebody find him? I mean, I feel like... I just... That's just fucked up, man. Police informants will examine the extent to which cases may have been affected by the conduct of Gabo, who was registered as an informant with Victoria Police from January 1st, 1995 to January 13th, 2009. So they have to go back and 
look at all of those cases. That's bonkers. Yeah. To like make sure that he wasn't working against his own make sure he wasn't clientele. Lying yeah. And all that. Um all right. So I know that Casey is like kind of into uh the names and stuff. So I just wanted to tell you about Squizzy Taylor. <gasps> what? One. There's uh, just a little mini player off to the side named Squizzy. Squizzy. Uh, Squizzy Taylor. Yeah. Actually, Squizzy Taylor uh, was involved in the 19, 1919 Melbourne Gang War. So there was <laughs> so there was a gang war in the late 1900s, and there was a gang war in the early 1900s. And Holy Squizzy shit. Taylor was involved in the earlier one. Uh, he was an Australian gangster from Melbourne. Prominent figure appeared repeatedly in Melbourne news media. So... He was, uh, and I'm looking at a picture of him, and like he's definitely a squizzy. Let me look. Okay. Oh, for sure, a squizzy. <laughs> That's a squizzy if I've ever fucking seen one. Okay. <sighs> All right. That was a good story. <laughs> Thanks. That literally got me on the edge of my seat. What did we learn today? Uh, don't join a gang. Don't fucking hire a nurse. If, yeah. If like, do your research. Okay, hire a nurse, but do your fucking research. Do your research. Don't um don't go to Melbourne. Like don't live in Melbourne probably. Uh no offense to everybody that lives in Melbourne. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was like just there's gonna a say, lot going on, man. Like maybe there's no more gangs there, Faith. But like also we live in Portland, so and we have a little thing called the Shanghai Tunnels. <laughs> yeah, it's So who am I to talk? Oh my god. What? I'm not gonna sleep well tonight. I'm gonna think of all these crazy ass names and people busting in and shooting each other. Oh my gosh. Well, we're not in a gang, so that works out. Even though yeah. I'm the Duchess now. You kill people with hairpins, that doesn't doesn't make sense. It's yeah, we're we're working on it. <sighs> okay. Well should we should we have some fortune? Some fortune cookies, bitch. Some fortunes. Oh, Adam's probably trying to sleep, and oh. I'm yelling. All right, I'm going to crack mine. Do it. <laughs> oh. That was a good one. For your, your listening pleasures. And what's your fortune say? Oh. People will find it difficult to resist your propositions. Gross. <laughs> I propose <laughs> I propose you give me five dollars. I propose <laughs> Wow. I inhaled fortune cookie dust. I can't resist you right now. <laughs> I propose you get me a slushy next time we hang out. I'll think about it. Why are you opening another one? Let me do one. No, I'm doing two in a row and you're gonna Aww. listen to it. Your critical insights can provide the stimulus for change. Where? Then you can't resist me either. <laughs> and I can't resist your propositions. <laughs> All right, let me do mine. I feel like mine aren't as good as yours. You have to have the intention there. Oh, it's our old friend. Promote literacy. Buy a box of fortune cookies today. And see, if I read that, you wouldn't be able to resist me and everybody would be buying a box Everybody right would now. have fortune cookies right now. Okay, I'm going to try another one. Ah, the constructive use of riches is better than their possession. Basically, they're saying eat the rich because nobody should hoard wealth. You should use it for constructive purposes. So I should eat rich people? Eat the rich. Before we head out, I want to share some wholesome content with you guys. Oh, wholesome. 
so we can so we can end this on like a high note. I mean, like the fortune cookies were okay, but like I feel like we just need a little extra today. So a little oomph. Yeah. Basically, I'm just going to share just some some wholesome posts with you guys. At Shameless Papist says, it's been an awful, terrible, no good week. But listening to my teenage daughter convince my youngest child last night that J.R.R. Tolkien's real name was Joking Roking Roking Tolkien was absolutely priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Women are adorable when you compliment their dress and the dress has pockets. Hey, that's a really nice dress. Thanks, it has pockets. And then she puts her hands in them pockets and shows you. <laughs> Pete the Pianist on tumblr says i bought a fanny pack to embarrass my wife on a trip to disney jokes on me i love it hey yas butt said was she embarrassed and pete said nope she ended up getting one too hers has a water bottle holder so i'm a little jealous black shuck official on tumblr i may not have the best body but it sure does hold all my organs in place <laughs> you might see punching bags are even better hugging bags if you'd just calm down for a second <laughs> all right guys not gonna lie, this one was a late one, a really late one. Like, this one we probably is super should have recorded late. last Wednesday, but today is Monday, the twenty fifth, and you guys need this delivered on the twenty seventh. Yeah. So yeah, this is gonna be a bit of a rough one because I'm gonna be at work. I don't think Faith will be able to edit all of the lip smacks and all of the random deep breaths I mean, and I got all of some, that out. I got some time tomorrow. I'm um, working until four, so we'll see. Skim it and then uh, throw some fun, awesome sound effects in there. Okay. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, right. just remember, you can find us at, at HQN Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. And email uh, us at uh, HQNPodcast yep. at, at gmail.com. Gmail You're all high-quality people. And this is High-Quality high Nonsense. nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> We love you. We love you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.